Hello, everyone. This is Victor Jackson. Welcome to the Bible Centered Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Bible Centered with Victor Jackson. I want to thank you for joining, and I want to thank you uh, for your patience with me. Uh, my last uh, podcast episode was January 10th. Um, during this past month and a half, uh, our church has been in a um, renovation project, uh, a big renovation project. Uh, we're able to uh, lease um, uh, another unit, so we had to tear down walls. Uh, we had to do so many things, and um, I appreciate so much your patience. People have reached out to me uh, saying, hey, when's the next podcast episode? And um, I want to thank you for your patience with this because, truthfully, in the past year, uh, this has just been about finding uh, a good flow uh, that works. Um, finding that that flow is uh, has been, you know, challenging because initially we were just giving one podcast episode a week, and people were like, "Please, we need more. We need more. We need more." And then we said, you know what, let's see how it works to give four or five a week. And then we saw how that worked, that dynamic, um, which was difficult to do because of uh, the producer's um, schedule, trying to coordinate with uh, Mike and Simon's uh, schedule, uh, who's been a tremendous help with this podcast. Um and so even that was difficult. And so we were doing it every morning at 6 a.m. And um, finally, in, in this renovation project, we had to eliminate uh, the former podcast studio, and which was very much a temporary setup, uh, created an office for me at the church, and which is for meetings and prayer and study. Um, but they got me set up at home where I can actually uh, do it all uh, myself. And so I believe that that's going to be a more effective model uh, than spending hours a day, you know, uh, Monday through Friday, uh, working with um, the producers' schedules. And they have families, and I respect uh, their family time. That's so important. And so now I'm set up at home. That means at any time of the day, I can get in and turn this camera on, turn this mic on, and speak to you. I want to honor each and every one of you for taking time to listen. We broke records um, this past year uh, with this podcast. We, we have been in the top 100 in the world out of 3 million religion and spirituality uh, podcasts. Um, we have really done amazing things together. And I want to thank all of our listeners uh, for walking with us through the word of God. And to those that have subscribed, thank you. Uh, we're going to be having more content now, since this is a more effective model. If I feel the Lord speaking to me, I can get 
up at night at midnight and come and record an episode. I can record an episode at three o'clock in the morning, 4 p.m., whatever time of the day I can record an episode. And so uh, that helps it more easy, be more uh, be easier. And so I want to thank Mike and uh, Simon uh, for helping me uh, to get this uh, into this place for uh, our listeners and our viewers. And so let's pick up where we left off because uh, we have been going deep in the word of God. We are in Matthew 21, Matthew chapter 21, and we have, we are seeing the drama intensify uh, where Jesus is confronting uh, the the system of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and we're seeing uh, this drama intensify, uh, really hastening toward the cross because the cross is uh, the climax of this gospel. I do want to also tell you that my daughter is five months old Thank you for your prayers. I got some great resources and materials coming to you in the next few weeks. Be on standby for that. So let's get into this. We talked about the parable of the, uh, with him cursing uh, the fig tree and the fig tree having many leaves on it. And when there's many leaves on a fig tree, that means that, that, uh, that the fruit the figs are about to uh, come forth. But he reached through the fig tree and felt because he was hungry. And he didn't even find a bud of a fig. It was just all for looks, all for show. But there was no fruit. And this is what Jesus was addressing uh, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees that... God is looking for fruit, uh, but you gave me a show. God is looking for fruit, but you're just giving a performance. This is all exterior, uh, but there is no weight or no quality on the interior. This is the climax that we're reaching to because he is trying to bring them back, reconcile them to God and to the intentions of God uh, because they had drifted away from the intent uh, of the word, the intent of the law. So now uh, we get into Matthew chapter 21 and verse 33. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. 
But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. When the Lord, therefore, of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus saith unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but, unto, but on whosoever it shall fall, it shall grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. Last scripture, verse 46, but when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. So the power of going verse by verse in this uh, study, uh, which is a difficult thing to do when you're uh, reading a narrative, uh, because uh, one verse only makes sense within the context of the surrounding verses. And the whole is what makes sense of a word or of a particular uh, scripture, a particular verse. But Matthew is writing to the Jews to persuade them that Jesus is the Christ, that he is not just the savior of the Jews, but that he is the savior of the world, that he did not come to just save the elect, but he came to save everybody. Someone needs to say everybody. This is a profound message because of this day and age and how people pick and choose who is valuable, uh, dependent upon their money, their socioeconomic status, their politics, their connections, their family. Uh, but I'm so thankful that Jesus did not die for uh, the elect alone, but he died for everybody Somebody say everybody. He died for the prostitute. He died for the sick. He died uh, for the holy and the unholy. He, di he died for the godly and the ungodly, the rich and the poor. He died for the blind and the lame. He died for those who have perfect features. He died for everybody. And because he died for everybody, that's what brings the world on equal ground because what do we all have in common number one we were born in sin we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of god that's what we have in common but number two we are we are born in sin but number two we all have a savior and his name is jesus christ and that's 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 the commonality of it all that matthew is trying to bring the jews to uh, see beyond their uh, outlook and understand the value and the significance of everyone. 
In one of the recent episodes, I mentioned on how he cast out the money changers, but he brought in the blind and the lame. He cast out those that were qualified out of the temple, and he brought the blind and the lame into the temple. He is, this is a revolution of value. Uh, that no matter what you came out of, no matter what sickness, what mistake, what we, what you have done, you are qualified to come into the temple. Can I speak to somebody listening right now? Uh, no matter what you have been through, no matter what mistakes you have made, uh, Jesus died for you. Therefore, no matter what you've been through, you are qualified to come into his temple, to enter into his presence. Uh, do not feel as if God is ashamed when you come into his house or that God is ashamed that you are deciding to pray even after you just made a mistake. I, this is the revolution of value. You're valuable, number one, because you were made in the image of God. But Jesus saw so much value in you while you were in your mess. He said, I'm dying for you. And so Jesus on the cross looked at you and I in our worst state and said, that's worth, that's worth dying for. He died for you uh, in your worst state. And so don't think God is so quick to condemn you uh, while you're trying to go to church, while you're listening to this podcast, you're trying to better yourself, learn about him. He's not come to judge you and slap you over the head and say what you're doing. No, he's come to help you. And say, daughter, son, you're valuable. Matthew is writing to the Jews to persuade them that Jesus is the Christ and his theme is fulfillment. And he goes, Jesus speaks of the parable of the vineyard. This is a common setting here. It says in verse 33, here is another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard hedged it round about, digged a wine press in it, and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. This was a common practice. The owner of a vineyard would let it out to a husbandman, people to take care of it while he is out of town. And the husbandmen, uh, they live on the vineyard. They, they take a percentage uh, but there comes a time where the owner of the vineyard comes back wanting his produce, wanting his fruit. The Bible says in verse 34, and when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to tell the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And this is a common practice. The servants is coming, are coming in the name of the owner to come and collect what is his. The fruit, he came for fruit. And the husbandman took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Now look at what is what does this story have to do with the situation of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, the religious leaders of that day? What does this have to do with it? Well, the husbandman is the religious establishment of, uh, the teachers of the law. And what he's saying here is that in the past, before even there were Pharisees and Sadducees, all the way back into the Old Testament, what he's showing here is, is that when he sent prophets, so the servants coming, 
It's the allusion to the prophets. So he sent prophets to ask fruit from the nation of Israel. To ask fruit from the leaders of Israel. But when he sent them, the nation of Israel and their leaders, they took the servants, they beat them, they beat the prophets, they killed the prophets, and they stoned the prophets. And so this is the comparison that he's doing here. Watch this. Verse 36, and he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. So he's saying here, what Jesus is telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious establishment, saying, listen, in the past, um, God sent prophets, servants of the Lord unto you that were moved on by the Spirit of God to preach to you, to prophesy to you, to declare to you. But he says, this is how they did that because they were trying to get a, some peaceable fruit out of the nation of Israel, out of the nation of Israel's leaders. But he's saying time and time again, when I sent these prophets, they were beaten, they were killed, they were stoned. And this has been a pattern for you to conspire against uh, God's anointed. Verse 37, look at this. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. Now, are you seeing the contrast here? So what Jesus is doing is doing an Old Testament history uh, to them. He's showing them the pattern in the past. God in his faithfulness sent servants, but they were beaten, killed, stoned, over and over again. And so God says, so what he's saying here is, okay, I'm going to send my, my son. And keeping it in line with the scriptures, remember, God manifested himself in the flesh. Number one. Number two, the Bible says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. John 1 and 1, verse 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Remember, Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, meaning that the logos, the plan, the thought was in the mind of God, but that thought was not made manifest until he was born of the Virgin Mary. And according to Corinthians, it says, to wit, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And so if you notice in the New Testament, you never hear the terms God the Son. You only hear the term Son of God. Uh, because that was God manifesting himself in the flesh. So, But what he's showing here is, is that the last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will reverence my son. So what, what, what Jesus is saying is, listen, all these prophets came in the past. You killed them. You rejected them. You threw them away. Now I am sending my son. Now I am, I am uh, sending, the, and the, this is the only begotten son. This is, this is the begotten son full of grace and truth. This is God Almighty manifested in the flesh to walk among you. 
This is the son that's in the flesh walking among you to come and collect fruit. Saying they'll reverence him because he's he's a, a son. Verse 38. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. Now look at this. In this particular parable, Jesus is prophesying what's going to happen to him. That he, he as the son of God, uh, more than a prophet, um, the son of God, God manifested himself in the flesh. And as the son of God, he who has come to collect fruit from Israel, now fruit from the religious establishment, fruit from this system. Remember, in the fig tree, there was no fruit. And in the Old Testament, it compares Israel to, to a fig tree. Now, we see here, instead of a fig tree, it's a vineyard. The, 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 the thought is still the same. I've come to get fruit. What is the fruit of your experience? What is the fruit of all these preachings that you've heard? What is the fruit of all of these prophecies? How is your obedience? Can I take a moment in this, in this podcast and say that it's not about how much you hear. It's about how much you hear and do. We cannot be hearers of the word only. We have to be doers of the word. It's not about how many conferences we have attended. It's about have we obeyed what was said. God speaks so we can act upon what he has spoken. That's the only reason he speaks, so we can act upon what he has spoken. So the question is, when's the last time you have acted upon the word? Because it's if you are stale in your relationship with God, you got to ask yourself, what did God tell you to do? Have you done it? If you haven't done it yet, that may be one reason why God is silent, and it might be one reason why you may feel stagnant. You got to go back to the last word he gave you, obey it, and you're going to feel a fresh touch from the Holy Ghost. You're going to feel a fresh touch of God you're going to feel a fresh commitment to God. You're going to feel a fresh anointing because you obeyed what was spoken. And God many times won't give you new revelation until you obey the past revelation. Amen. And so, and so the pattern has been that anytime the servant is trying to collect fruit, the fruit of obedience from his nation, from his people, from the leaders, that these people are, are killed, stoned, cast aside. So he said, I'm sending my son. Okay, you're going to reverence. Now you're going to reverence the son. Now he, Jesus is the son of God. This is somebody that has done what no other prophet has ever done. He's opening the blinded eyes. He's unstopping the deaf ears. He is cleansing the leper. He is healing the lame. He is forgiving people of their sins. Somehow, those type of actions deserve some type of reverence. Right? But the Bible says that what they did with the son, 
who is the reflection of the Father. Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. If you want to see God, you look at Jesus. He is the express image of the invisible God. The Bible says that as he's saying this, he says they caught him and cast him out of the vineyard and slew him. Now, this is Jesus is alluding to his imminent death because they cast him out. He was on the outskirts whenever he was crucified. He's crucified as an outsider. And look what he says in verse 40. So he's showing the spirit of the Old Testament leaders and the nation of Israel. And he's, and he's literally showing the Pharisees and the Sadducees that they are reflecting that same tension and that same spirit. And John, he even speaks about it. He says, fill up the cup of your father's. Because you said, you said, listen, if we were alive during the time of our fathers, we wouldn't have killed the prophets. He said, no, you, you would. That spirit is alive. You're going to conspire uh, to kill me, Jesus is speaking to them. He said, but fill up the cup. He said, Abraham's not your father. He says, you're of your father, the devil. Now listen, in verse 40, when the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen, which shall render him the fruits in their seasons. So they're saying to him, well, if, if they're not going to bring forth the fruit, then there's going to be judgment. Are you seeing the parallels? There's going to be judgment, and when there's going to be judgment, he is also going to give the responsibility of receiving the fruit unto others who are going to give back the fruit in their due seasons. And so what Jesus is telling these religious leaders is that, listen, if you don't get your act together, um, this is going to be passed on to someone else. Now, in their case, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, in their case, he replaces them uh, with um, the disciples. The disciples are now the propagators, the evangelists, the, the propagators of the gospel of reconciliation back to God. Uh, these leaders had dropped their responsibility for trying to bring a nation back back to God. And the disciples pick up this responsibility. Uh, it's not only speaking to that, but even where Israel um, failed uh, in the Old Testament, they were created that it's, he said, to Abraham that you're going to be blessing to the nations. So the intent of Israel was for the whole world to be blessed. And so what, what, what he's saying here is I haven't got any fruit from that, but what's going to happen is through the church, which is comprised of Jews and Gentiles through the church, God's going to collect those fruits 
Jews and Gentiles alike. He's going to be able to get that fruit because he's made a way for that to happen through his son. And I think that's one of the one of the issues that we see in inherit in scripture is is that God doesn't wait on on um, on many people. If if we don't get our act together, he just will move on. He will we, he will just he will just move on. And that's one of the most most difficult things is that when 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 we are you know rebelling against him, that he'll just find find someone else that'll give him that fruit of obedience. Who am I ministering to on here that has a call to 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 sing unto the Lord, to be in ministry? Or God may be saying, open a business. God may be saying, do this, do that. Here's this idea. But we procrastinate and we we wait on it. And there comes a time where he says, okay, I'll just give the idea to someone else. I'll just get this, this fruit of obedience from someone else. I don't know about you, but I, I don't I don't I don't want uh to be replaced. I, I want to obey quickly. I, I want to obey God. I want I want to listen to him. And so he's speaking of how the shift of responsibility is is going to come from these religious leaders to the disciples, from the nation of Israel to the church, which is comprised of Jews and Gentiles alike. They're, where they get that responsibility. Paul would later say in Romans, I believe it's Romans 11, he says, listen, the reason why uh, the Gentiles are able to now become sons of Abraham, children of Abraham and sons of God, he says it's to provoke Israel to jealousy. Wow. Because through Israel's rejection, it made a space for the Gentiles to come into the kingdom. Isn't that powerful? Now, let's go into verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall in this stone shall be broken, but whosoever it shall fall, it will grind into powder. So, so the message today is the rejected stone. You see, Jesus came unto his own. So he's speaking of himself. He's giving this parable to speak of himself. The stone which the builders rejected has become the head of the stone, head of the corner. What he's saying here is, is Jesus, the son of God, he came unto his own and his own received him not. And, and so you're rejecting the stone. You're saying, you know, it's to build a home, build a house, to build a home. You say, you got to pick these stones. You say, no, I'm rejecting this stone. This stone is insignificant. This stone isn't valuable. I'm putting it away. But he said that same stone that you put away is now the head of the corner. It's the most important part of the structure. It is the chief cornerstone. 
What he's saying here is, listen, you can reject me all you want. When it's all said and done, he says, I'm going to be the chief cornerstone. Wow. And he's saying that this is fulfillment to prophecy. The theme of Matthew is fulfillment. And he's saying here is that the kingdom of God is going to be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken. He's saying, listen, I am that chief cornerstone. It's better to just fall and just reverence and just bow. That's what the word worship means, to prostrate oneself on the ground. It's better to bow on the stone before the stone falls on you. Because sooner or later, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I don't know about you, I want to fall on that stone. The, the, the strength of my ministry is that I know how to fall on that stone. I, I am not God. I am not a God. I am not divine. He is the only God. There's only one God. I'm human. You're human. We are frail. So you know what? We got to fall on that stone. Because if we don't fall on it and break on it, when the stone falls on us, there's just going to be judgment. We're going to be ground, grinded into powder. When the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. You see the conflict that is developing between Jesus and um, this system. Matthew highlights it. But I want you to understand something because some people interpret this resistance. They think, oh, maybe that's anti-Semitic. Uh, and people think about that. But that, that's not what Matthew's highlighting here. He's highlighting this tension for a reason. Number one, Jesus is bringing them back to the word of God. He's bringing them back to the original intentions of the word, and it had become corrupted. It had become about gain. It had become about money. But I want you to notice something about Jesus, and I'm going to minister to someone here, that Jesus died not just for the Jews, but he died for those religious leaders. We, we see that they conspired and it led to his death on the cross, but him dying was for their sins as well. Oh my goodness. He died for his betrayers. That, my friend, is unconditional love. You see, because in this tension, it, it, there's something about reading a masterpiece like this that makes you want to take sides and everything, but we, we don't want to miss the, 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 the drama. We don't want to miss the beauty. The beauty is, is that these people resisted, conspired, tried to kill. They got false witnesses, which was against the word of God. They were corrupt, 
they they tried to destroy Jesus, but Jesus said, you don't understand. And while they were destroying him, they said, listen, let his blood be upon us. Well, his blood did come upon you. He died for you. And when you trust in him, when you're born again of the water and of the spirit, whoo, ah, when you're baptized in his name, he, he will wash away all of those sins and all of those sins of betrayal. What a God. The very people who conspired against him, he died for. The very people that were trying to destroy him, he used their desire to destroy him to actually fulfill his plan to help them. My word, I, I feel the Holy Ghost talking right now. The message of Jesus Christ is an unconditional love message for everybody. It's somebody that will wash the feet of Judas. Somebody that will, ah, help me, Holy Ghost. Somebody that, that it will die while they're trying to trap him in his words, trying to catch him in his words. He's going to die for the Pharisee and the Sadducee. So, yes, we know that Jesus died for the sins of the world, but he died for every Pharisee, every Sadducee, every scribe, every chief priest that were holding pitchforks and torches and swords to destroy him. I know pitchforks are, is an exaggeration, but the swords and the torches to come and get him in Gethsemane, he died for them. You have to understand, can I speak to somebody that has been dealing with betrayal? Can I speak to somebody that has been dealing with people trying to harm you? Can I speak to somebody that has been wounded and hurt? What I am speaking to you is, do not allow the enemy to tempt you into hating them or even taking revenge or vengeance on them. And vengeance is, I'm going to get you back for what you did to me. And I'm going to get you back worse. Instead, go into his presence. Let the love of God fall on you. Let the love of God transform your life. Love is firm. What you have to understand about love is people say, well, well, does love mean there's no judgment? No, that's not true. Many times because of love, there's judgment. And I talked about that in one of my previous episodes. You love your child. If your child goes and touch a hot stove, you're going to hit his hand away. And you're going to say, don't do that. Why? I love you. Therefore, I've got to judge you. And that's why when those judgments happen to a child, you say, listen, this hurts me more than it hurts you. I got to do this because I love you. What does the scripture say? Whom the Lord loves, he chastens. People think that love is lack of correction. No, uh, the lack of correction is the lack of love. I'm helping you. I'm helping you. So what you have to understand is Jesus flipped tables. He called these people hypocrites. 
But remember, Jesus was love manifested in the flesh. God is love. But love flipped over those tables. Love called these leaders hypocrites. See, Jesus never ceased to be love. He was always love. But you see, the modern day thought processes is that if there's any judgment, if there's any correction, somehow there's vengeance or hurt or, or somehow there's something uh, uh, vindictive about it. But Jesus was not being vindictive. It was because he loved them, there was judgment. Later, the Jewish temple would be destroyed in A.D. 70. It would be destroyed because of the actions of the corruption of that establishment. But Jesus wanted them to put their trust in his presence and in his spirit. So even long after that temple is gone, these people could have a relationship with God and be reconciled to him. The true worshipers will worship in spirit and truth, according to John. Man, I love the word of God. So this is all, you're going to see the parables and you're going to see this hasten. And I'm going to try to get through this for you. If you have any questions, send the question to my social media, Victor M. Jackson on Instagram and on, um, and on Facebook. Or, or go to my website, www.victormjackson.com or .us, and send in your questions if you have any questions. But we're going to be talking about this fulfillment process and how it's not the most glamorous, beautiful uh, thing, fulfillment. People think fulfillment is like beautiful roses and straight roads and straight paths but 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 there are there, there are valleys and hills and things to navigate on this path of fulfillment and one of the things that Jesus had to face was the rejection of his people and the rejection uh by uh, uh those those leaders but he said although i am the rejected stone i am uh, the chief cornerstone i am the head of the corner what you threw away becomes the center and that is profound. Uh, and I want to thank you for joining on this uh, podcast. You see, the Bible helps you to understand the true virtues of love. Um, he never ceased to be love. When he called, when he told, told Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, he didn't stop being love in that moment. Everything, every judgment was in love and Jesus rather these Pharisees and Sadducees suffer in time judgments than to suffer eternal judgment. I'm going to say that again. He rather that religious establishment face in time consequences than eternal consequences. That's what love does. Love says, child, do not touch that or do not go there 
because this is going to harm your future. So I've got to give a judgment to you now at five years old to protect you for when you're 25 years old. And so Jesus is giving judgment to the Pharisees and the Sadducees in time because he loves them so much. Are you getting this? So they don't have to go to eternal judgment because of this wrong trajectory that they're on. And we see later that Jesus, after he dies, is buried, rises again, ascends back into heaven. We see him showing himself to the Pharisee of Pharisees, the apostle Paul. Oh, my. He said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. This guy who wrote so many letters of the New Testament inspired by the Holy Ghost was a Pharisee. See, Jesus died for the Pharisees and it made a way for the Apostle Paul to be one of the greatest instruments of getting glory. I'm helping somebody. I'm helping somebody here. I'm showing you the sound doctrine of unconditional love. And we're going to see this with love is there's responsibility. With love, there's covenant. And we're going to see in Matthew 22 and 23 and 24 and 25 as we hasten to Matthew 26 and 27. We're going to get through this. And I'm so glad that you've joined us on this journey. Share this podcast with somebody. Share this video. Um, for my subscribers, I've got something, some exciting news coming for you. I got some exciting stuff coming for you literally within the next few weeks. I want to thank you for your patience. I want to thank you for listening. I want y'all to know that uh, I love each and every one of you. And uh, I live what I preach. I honor you. I respect you. Uh, that 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 will, will never change. Um, God's got some great things for you. We're going to be opening up the scriptures more and more uh, this week. But I want to thank you for taking time to listen. Uh, share this podcast with somebody. God's going to get the glory. Thank you for joining. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, for more information, you can follow my social media page, Victor M. Jackson. Or you can come visit us in Orlando, Florida at Bible Center of Orlando. Thank you for joining us. God bless.